You are on Earth Tribe Radio, www.earthtriberadio.com. Hey, Fiona. Hey, Jill. How are you doing? I am doing fine, thank you. All right, so, so. since we're both doing so fine, I thought maybe <laughs> <laughs> we might explore the seven stages of grief. There's a uh-huh. whole bit around grief that I'd, I'd love to get into in a, in a deeper deeper way. But if we could just sort of talk about the seven stages right now. I think now. that would be so helpful. And I think to acknowledge Dr. Kubler-Ross, who before... These Elizabeth really Kubler-Ross. They yeah. come from her. So, and from her experience with thousands of dying people, people, she created hospice. Yeah. And I think before that, uh, people used to just be stuck away in a... Um, you know, in the back of hospitals, or they, they, the dying people really weren't acknowledged, and she helped that. But then she also realized, I think, that as pe- as she was supporting people dying, that she saw the grief that people went through, and she noticed that it was, it was there were stages that happened, and that's I think how she created, I think first of all the five stages, and then the seven stages of grief. Well, I thought it would be. Interesting too, because we've both lost people in our lives, and to maybe share what these seven stages are, how we manage to work through them, um, etc., etc. That sounds like you should we do that. Yes. Okay. Um, So the first one in the seven stages is the shock and denial. Well, I think you know, that, and this is the, these stages of grief are also for anything. It could be like we lost a house. It could be losing a relationship, you know, a, a suddenly losing or losing a relationship. It can be loss of some kind of health. So it can be. It's not just it, the death of someone. The death of someone, mm-hmm. exactly. So I think that it, they are pretty consistent in in how they they emerge, and I know for me with the house, um, it, there is, and even with the death of my siblings and my parents, there is kind of a a moment when you ju- initially it's like you don't quite you know it and you understand it, but you don't quite get it. It's like, oh, I want to call. Oh, they're dead. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like you or and I for the house. It would be, oh, I wonder. If, no, oh no, that's gone. You know, looking for something. And and how was it for you? Well, the, with the shock and denial. Well, so the most well, the one that stands out for me was my uh, sister's passing, Claire, mm. um, who I really took care of for two years. And um, so when. Moments after she died, um, I went out on the balcony, and um, the shock was: people are driving. I'm looking people driving on the road. Everybody's being normal, but it's not normal for no, us. No, yeah. it isn't. I was shocked that the world was going on. Now, my father went and stopped all the clocks in the house, which is mm. something he. Well, I don't know where that comes from, but that was in his tradition when he grew up. You'd stop the clocks when mm. the person passed, and my sister passed at my parents' house, and we were all there. Um, the denial came when um, I was uh, the funeral. We asked the funeral home to pick her up the next day. We were doing a, a ceremony and. 
a Buddhist ceremony with a lama who was coming. And so as I was changing her and getting her changed into uh, what she was going to be cremated in, um, I could swear I, I, her chest was breathing. I, I could see her breathing. Mm. So that's, I think, where the denial comes in is I actually, and uh, all night long I kept thinking, no, I, I bet you she's still around. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, because she was still around, but I thought she was still in her body. Oh, I see, yeah. So it was like just checking because I, I swear I saw her take a breath when I was, you know. So that's where how the denial worked on me was that until um, the next morning. Uh, but it was for me, it was very good being with my sister after her passing so it wasn't that it was hidden from me, the, 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 the sight of her not being in her body anymore. That was very helpful to me. I think it's helpful for everybody. And in the cultures, I think we've talked before that my grandmother in the, in the bush of South Africa was one of the people who would help to, the community people would help to dress the bodies on the dining room table. But, um, and then they would take yeah. them and bury them under a um, bush, I mean, a tree somewhere. But I, I think it's really, really helpful um, to keep, to have the body not just taken away two seconds after it yeah. dies, to have it like you did. And, and Aboriginal people in Australia keep it for, a, it's a week or two. Of course, they dress it with, uh, with herbs and things. But uh, I think to have it taken away really fast yeah. makes it much more of a shock. Well, we washed her. And picked out, her, you know, her favorite yoga things to, you know, comfy things, her color, the colors that she liked. We also got the opportunity to put something. There was a beautiful uh, pearl that she had on her uh, altar that she got, I think, in Kathmandu. It's a, a Buddhist thing, I think. And we put that in one hand, and then I put uh, sage and tobacco in the other hand. Mm. Um, Mother put uh, a necklace around her, and so that when they came to pick her up the next day, um, you know, my sister took my parents off to the funeral home so that they wouldn't have to see her being taken from the house. And in that's fact, my my brother actually carried her to the oh, to wow. the, the car. You see, that's really hard. Is that it is actually that moment when they're yeah. being taken away, yeah. and the different funeral homes and the different places that people sign up with the different kinds of things. Though I, I was with a client and he died a beautiful death, but when the uh, I can't remember the name of that company uh, that came um, uh, Neptune Society. They, when they came, they immediately put him into a bag and zipped it up. And I mean, that is about the worst thing <laughs> that a loved this is, one can this see. Is, this is why, if you choose to be with a person, you can create your own um, honoring of the person after they've left their body. And also, I do believe that they are still around. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can have your conversations that way. Um, we washed her. We uh, changed the sheets because you know, um, mother and I did that together, and um, my husband cooked 
the most amazing turkey. Mm. So that evening we got to have a meal all together, celebrating and do an ancestor bowl, which is something we do in the Lakota way, is the ancestor bowl. You always feed the ancestors before you uh, sit down to your meal and um, share whatever you're having. So I introduced my parents to that uh, because I said, Claire's an ancestor now, so mm. we need to do the ancestor bowl. So that that worked out well. And then we took turns sitting with her at night. We had beautiful music on and candles going and hmm. and um, time with her. And then my parents the next morning went off to the funeral home with my sister and my brother. And Bob and I saw her. Bob carried her out to the, the mortuary van, which was... Uh, and that was very respectful, but we just didn't want her... No. thoughtlessly zipped in a bag and taken off. And I think so, the, the, the thing for you, um, just beside we're talking about shock, we're also talking about death, but is that you have the right to ask them to do what you want. Yes. And the problem is sometimes it's like when you're having a baby as well, it's hard to have the energy to say what you want. Yeah. But when someone dies, it's hard because there's so much grief that yeah. it's hard for them to have feel they have the right or even the energy. So I think it's sometimes really good to have somebody there right. with you. The, the, when they came to uh, take Claire, I had put my uh, beautiful meditation shawl around her and her yoga sweatshirt and pants that she loved and bare feet because that's what she preferred um, so I told them I said she's holding something in each of her hands this is how we want her to be cremated mm -hmm. so just leave her like this uh, you don't have to change anything and um, that's what they did they were very very that's respectful very cool. yeah again you do have the the ability to say what you want. And and just to remind us that the shock gives us emotional protection from being overwhelmed all at once. Yeah. It's really, it is a helpful, and that shock can actually last for weeks. I know yeah. with the shock of the house, we were functioning, but it, the shock lasted for, for several weeks, and I think it does with death as well. Yeah. With any kind of a, um, a grief, that, anything that's a loss that you've as, gone Especially through. one that, it was sudden or not expected. Yes. Now, with my mm -hmm. sister's death, um, it was, uh, it's like when I went out onto the veranda and I couldn't believe there was mm -hmm. cars moving. And my other sister came out and she said, oh, gosh, Jill, you look 20 years younger mm. than I'd been looking. It's because I had been holding all that pain mm -hmm. for my sister, mm -hmm. trying to help her. So, of course, once she passed, I let go of that. So um, I think that's part of the shock and, and the denial, being aware that uh, what you're holding in your body, take a deep breath, soft belly, uh, let it go, um, and appreciate the shock that's, that's uh, sort of buffering you from for the moment, For the yeah. moment. Yeah. And I also think to remember this, which is that no matter what shock or loss you've gone through, is that uh, other people may not understand it. 
Yeah. And they may give trite, uh, I mean, and they may yeah. give answers that don't seem very sensitive to you. It's just that what you said was significant, which is I was standing out there and I was looking at the world going on, but it didn't feel like, how could it? Yeah. I mean, inside me. And I think that's what a lot of people feel is they feel like, um, like when we lost the house, for example, uh, was the most recent loss, is, is that people would go immediately afterwards. They'd go, oh, don't worry, it'll be much better, which is... It, it, it's, yeah. it's an understandable and a truthful thing, but it's something that you, you can't take hear. in at that time. You can't hear. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that uh, I'm reminded of as we're talking about this, uh, when my father died, um, mother was just uh, not functioning right. I mean, they'd mm. been married 50, 60 years, you know, something like that. Um, and you know, I'd take her to the store. We'd have to go, you know, do this. And people were unthinking. Mm. And uh, she was wounded all the time. So you know how for breast cancer awareness they have the pink ribbon and for supporting mm-hmm. our troops is the yellow ribbon and mm-hmm. the Rett syndrome is the purple ribbon? I went out and bought ribbon in black and little little gold pins, and I made the the little ribbon, oh, mm-hmm. and I put it on her lapel so that people could see that she was uh, she she she'd had a loss. Yeah, well, I think that would be a really good idea for people to develop those. Yeah. So if you've had a loss or an incredible shock, don't expect people to be able to really understand where you are, what you've gone through, and just search out someone who does or some people. Yeah. Some you do need support. You do need support. Otherwise, you can go inwards too far. Right. So I think look for support of some kind, but um, at the same time, don't expect people to know where you are so that's that's number one number two is pain and guilt yeah that's a big one people so often particularly with death people go oh I should have said this if only I'd done that why didn't I do that and it makes it so much it's a natural stage of of um grief but at the same time it it can really pull us all over the place what ifs yeah and and also there's a measure of uh, why did they have to go before me? Say it's a, in a partnership, or why why if it's a husband that goes, well, it, it, I should have gone before him. Why why am I still alive when he's the one? I remember my father-in-law who all, all his life he smoked cigarettes, and his wife never smoked, and she died of lung cancer. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, there was that feeling that he had of, why did I, you know, why? Why did I smoke? Did she die yeah. because of me, which yeah. is possible. But, yeah, and I, I think the thing with that, with the pain and the guilt, for me, what is what it is is that if you try to avoid it, it's almost like how fast can you run, but as soon as you stop, it catches up. Yeah, and so I I got into the habit a while ago, actually after my mom, I went through a lot of pain and suffering with my mom dying. But when I was in my thirties, but um, with my with all the others, I'd done enough spiritual work and personal work <clears throat> that I just would allow myself to go into the pain completely, and just like I would sit there and I would just 
feel it excruciatingly, and then I'd find it would be gone after about 90 seconds. But I found that if I didn't do that, it would be chasing me, Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and building. Build, building, it, 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 and then, building. The, then you would explode, which is the next stage, or or you would uh, you need to look for something to kind of numb it, like alcohol or something. Yeah. And uh, I think just going into that pain is very important. Find, you know, might find, maybe find someone who can hold you or get a lot of pillows with some lovely music and just let yourself cry or let yourself just feel that incredible pain yeah exactly and there's and and don't don't feel guilty about it no because it's just as i said these yeah. these stages dr kubler-ross discovered because she watched people who had lost people for many years mm -hmm. be, you know and 20 years or something before she discovered the seven stages of of, of grief so the third stage is anger and bargaining. And this is a, a, one of the stages that can do the most damage because if you, particularly if you haven't um, experienced the pain, it gathers up and then it explodes. And I'm just recently, somebody was killed in Los Angeles, a very high-powered lawyer was killed as she was crossing the street to go to, with a drink for her friend up in, um, down, not Venice Beach, the other one. Uh, she was walking across Admiralty Way, and she they hit her. She went up 20 feet and came down and was dead uh, instantly. And her, her son heard about it. He was blaming everybody. He was so angry. I mean, I, he, I think he went straight a little bit of pain but straight to the anger and uh, he was even blaming her best friend who was actually crossing with her but had stepped back for a second to wait for the cars to go through so he was blaming everybody trying to sue everybody you know like um, and that's totally normal in is is anger but it's where you can do the most damage so when you're feeling really angry allow yourself to be angry but try not to point the finger at someone else until you've gone through that yeah. stage and can see things more clearly yeah. because as I said you can do a lot of damage to friends and family and um, and yourself and so and one of the ways to deal with that, oh, it's very moving for me, mm. whew, is to s express your anger this way. I am so angry this happened. Mm -hmm. I feel so sad. I feel so frustrated. I feel so angry. So you're talking and honoring and acknowledging what you're feeling through all this. You're not pointing the blame at anybody I else. I think that's really important. Yeah. Because it's so easy, and it's such an again, this is a natural state of of uh, grieving. So when that happens, just take the time and let yourself yeah. be with it again. You know, if you can go and get find some way to do it. Some people do running or or yeah. some exercise to really work out the anger, and that can be helpful too. Yeah, I heard about the running. I've heard people say this really feels good. Yeah, the wind in your hair. Okay, so after. The anger and bargaining on step four, the fourth stage of grief, is uh, depression, reflection, and loneliness. Yeah, and I think that uh, we look back a lot, you know, and especially when we haven't done the finishing the grief by letting ourselves go into it or the anger, and look back and just see... You know what, I know for me, for one of the things with my mom, it was like, why didn't I help her to paint the house? 
I mean, I was young and and active, and uh, and she was living in a house that was relatively unpainted. So it was like I could have done that. I could have got my friends over. Why didn't you know? So you start to think of things that that you could have, that you think should have done, and that yeah. also adds to the pain. And 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 is is uh, is a downward spiral actually. Very That's, much that so. takes you into depression. Yes. Um, the the reflection is part for me of um, yeah you know just thinking about when my father died he was on an island somewhere and mother kept sending me photographs that day that she was taking of dad holding a bottle of aspirin that was empty and he knew I think he knew he was having a heart attack and he needed some aspirin and it was a Sunday and there was no shops open and so there was mother laughing at him taking pictures of him and when she sent the pictures I knew exactly what was happening you know Mm. Uh, and I don't know whether she was in denial and couldn't see and why she was making fun of him uh, searching so hard for an aspirin yeah, that's all. It's and, and it's very and that's where we often then turn inwards. Yeah, and that's a reflection just, thing. Yeah, and want to go into yeah. depression, want to disappear, want to hide, want to just go into remembering them. But uh, it kind of becomes a hiding place. It does because for me it was. Uh, so what, how much pain was he in? Was he just being brave? Was he trying to hide it from her? Was he? So it's all these suppositions. I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. I just don't know the answer to that. Uh, but it's part of the the depression, the sadness, um, the grief that comes in, and then the realization. Uh, I guess more. Well, I don't know the loneliness that comes from the recognition that that person is not in our reality anymore. Yeah, and I think there's something there when when we start to not, can't face the fact that they're not with us. So we spend a lot of time inward remembering them and remembering what we did and hopefully... Yeah, we will, of course, go to the things we didn't do, but hopefully we can remember more of the beautiful times. If we can do that, if every time we remember something negative or painful, we can say, okay, I'm just going to give that to the worry basket, put it in the the pretend worry basket that I've got beside my bed or wherever it is. I'm just going to put it in there like the Hawaiians used to, and I'm going to just now remember something really good, something I loved about them. Um, And the other thing I want to say about these stages is what I found with myself and with others is they're not like one, two, three, four. It's like one and then two and then two and then one and then and one. Then you go back exactly. Yeah, you go backwards and forwards into them. It, it doesn't, you're not just going to move completely on and then the other one's done. Right. So, so I would say, you know, try to remember the beautiful things about them because the other things you can do nothing about. Yeah. And if you can, just take them and put them or give them up to the sun or put them in a balloon, yeah. let them go. And being lonely, going into the loneliness on this stage, um, that's also very, very normal. 
Yes. Very normal. And you feel emptiness, sometimes despair. Yeah. Because you just, uh, it's just, it's just part of this stage. But again, as much as you can remember about the beautiful things and keep yourself nurtured, you know, get some wonderful teas and right, warm, exactly. and warm I, things to drink. Um, to warm things to drink, um, a, a nice pair of warm socks or fluffy socks or something. Fluffy yeah. socks mm-hmm. or slippers. Uh, maybe a shawl around yourself. Uh, I always love to do a shawl, and I usually give a shawl at a at, at a, s- a thing like this because I feel it's a hug that's mm. coming. You know, that's being given is when you put the shawl around yourself. So you can do that, thinking wonderful thoughts about the person or memories that would make you laugh. Uh, the other thing that would be so good to do. Is and this is just for you, or not? Should you desire, is to write a letter to the person who just passed, and do it in the first person, uh, present tense. Can you just? A lot of people may not. Okay, so for Claire, uh, I I I would I did this for Claire. It was one page mm-hmm. long, and boy, Claire, I am going through all this stuff. I I am so angry and I love I love you but I feel, and I feel so anger because of some of the choices that you made and then I recall this and recall mm-hmm. something and then I come back to the present state that I'm feeling right then and a lot of it is uh, for me was anger and it completely at the end um, of the the page I had turned it into. I remember the day mother brought you home from the hospital. This was after she was born. And put you in your little room, and I knew you were mine. Mm. And uh, so I wanted to look after you, and I kept saying to mom, would you give her to me because I know she's mine. But this was poured out, and the connection that we had, my anger at losing you, at the choices that you might have, that you were making, that I wasn't allowed to talk about, to you, but it was everything to do about you, mm. that sort of thing. So writing that down, and then you can fold it up and put it away, put it in, a, in your God box or whatever you or have, burn it. or burn it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, I mean, don't just burn it in your house. But you can also just dig yes, it out. So <laughs> she says, the woman who just lost her house But you can also dig a hole outside and put yes. it in there too. Yeah, dig exactly. it to the earth. Big. Exactly. The other thing that would be really lovely is if you have a little box and uh, anything that you want to remember somebody with that you don't want to carry on with you. Little things, perhaps that your relative had, uh, private letters or something, put them in a little box and bury them. Somebody will find this treasure in many years to come and say, oh, look what I found. And that, in that way, the treasure, and I'm putting quotes around the word, the treasure of who that person is will be found by somebody in another way. So, okay, so then we go on to the fifth stage or the last stage or the next to the last stage, whenever, because this does begin to appear is the upward turn. 
Yeah. When you realize, okay, I, I'll, I'll get Life through, goes on. And I'll get through this. Absolutely. And sometimes, as I said, there, you go backwards and forwards between the stages, but it, it's kind of a, uh, there does come a time when you breathe and you go, okay, I'm going to be okay. And yeah. this is all going to be okay. You'll never get over losing them completely yeah. in, in that, uh, I can't say that, uh, I don't, f- I, I've gotten over all of, you know, all of the deaths in my family. Um, I still love them, but it's no longer a sadness for me because yeah. I let myself grieve as much as I yeah. needed to. So then it, what remains is the love and yes. good memories. And That's then that, that it's like, oh, yes, I remember when my sister used to do horseback riding and pretend that she was a circus and used to do tricks on the backs of horses. And, and then she would bury me in the ground with, with, a, with a straw so that I could emerge and then I would be in the circus having been this, you know, being dead and coming back to life. She would make these circuses up. So it's like, yes, you start to remember the wonderful... Uh, the fun parts of and then you get to the, celebrate then you get to celebrate yeah. and yeah. so yeah, before we get to the last bits is it's really 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 important to go through your grief very important otherwise it can stay with my mom I didn't know any of that stuff and it took me probably 18 months it was very with my dad I worked it very intensely, allowing myself to really be with it and be with the yeah. grief. And it was gone within a couple of days, really. I mean, it, not the love of him, not the yes. remembrance of him and the connection, but the pain. Yeah. Because so, I, And that's a really good thing that you just mentioned, because very often we think if we, for, if we release them and let them go, that means we don't love them anymore. So we hang on. And we hang on and we hang on. And it isn't that we don't love them anymore. It's just that they're going to be with us in the most joyful way mm-hmm. and not in the in the most, uh, the saddest way possible. Yeah, and that is that is actually the last one in the original Kubler-Ross, Five Stages of Grief. And then I think it, towards the end she added on, or someone else, I'm not sure, added on these last two stages. Well, the sixth stage that someone, if it wasn't her, added on is reconstruction and working through. Yeah, and so as you become a little more functional and your mind really starts to work a little more, and and you may not even realize that you've gotten, that you weren't working until you start to be able to work with your mind again. And then you, you can work out any things in your life that may have caught up with your problems or situations, but you're suddenly starting to get clarity about looking at your life. and Well, and you're doing that now because your loss this year has been your house. Yes. And all... All your treasures a and all of treasures. <laughs> a lifetime of treasures that burnt up in the fire. So now, what I'm witnessing, let me say, with you going through all these stages of grief, is the reconstruction and mm-hmm. the rebuilding of your house, making it a little bit shift in in, in design to get to your perfect feng shui. Um, and you get to choose the doors and the windows now, and your whole being is uh, is now uh, moving forward, moving forward, and not as a as as a weight of what what you have to do to get through the losing everything. Yes, you know. So uh, I don't see that that weight of oh, you know, of the uh, of the loss. I see you. 
getting through it. And, and and as far as if you've lost a person, you know, if somebody's died, um, this is the time when you suddenly realize that you have not been functioning well as well either. <laughs> That's so true. That is so true. And then you just, you know, you look at your life. And the wonderful thing about this stage is that it is a new beginning. It's almost like when you lose someone you really love or you lose something that's very significant for you, it's almost like a bomb went off inside yeah. you. And it kind of de- deconstructed you. And at this point is is really where we reconstruct and look and go, oh, this is a new life. I can make a new life here, a new yeah. aspect of my life. Yeah. And so then you can reconstruct, but what would I like? What would I like it to be? Like your house, for example, not to have so many little little rooms off another room. It's open space good connections, all those things that we get to to shift and change. And I'm still remembering my lovely friend Anne who lost her husband and her house, husband through cancer, and then two days later, I think the fire came through, mm-hmm. burned her house to the ground. And uh, so she lost everything within two days, including her husband and her home and all her valuables. And uh, she is one of the most amazing meditators and works at Spirit Rock. And she has turned her life into this service of people helping people through hard times of their life. It's and she's so good at it. Um, so when there are you've a lot had of people, yeah, and when you've had a loss uh, of something, and it's a deep loss, and you get the chance to reconstruct and work your way through it. Um, we get to the next stage, which is acceptance and hope. So when my friend Anne accepted her loss, which she was pretty well done, she was she's done a lot of work, yeah. you know, a lot of spiritual work, but she was able to look forward to work through her grief and and uh, look forward to the next part of her life. Because it is true that if you haven't gone through uh, grief of some kind, it is a little hard to help others go yes. through theirs because the it's it's difficult in a way to, if you haven't if it's an intense experience to help somebody if you haven't gone through it. I know there's great controversy over that, but I found that when having gone through a lot of grief, it you understand people better somehow. Yeah. So if you choose to help others, and, and there's another point that's really important at this point. If you are with somebody who's had a grief and is going through these stages of grief, uh, whether it's a friend or a relative, and you see them going through this, the best thing that you can do, you, you can't make it better for them. You can listen to them. Mm. You can be with them. You can hold their hand. You can put your arm around them if they cry. Mm. You can't fix it for them. Mm-mm. And you being with them and listening is a very powerful way to help somebody through their grief. Sorry, you can hear it in my no, voice. No, it's just it's, uh, totally. It, it, 
I think the one we've been through this so often. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how it still stirs up. Of the, course, there are the always sadness. pieces. So the uh, and sometimes movies will do that too for us. You know, it yeah. activates those parts oh, as yeah. well. And I think that well, there's another important point that you made there, which is that uh, you know supporting people but not wanting to make it better. Because when somebody comes, oh, it'll be all right, it'll yeah, be all right. you're okay, you you're okay. That's, it's that's like something to add to the yeah, anger. Kind of, part of me wants to just say, oh, shut up. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> because you just want somebody who will just be there and hold you yeah. or just even look at you and, you know, feed you, give, feed you, give you lovely cups of tea. Put a shawl and, around you. Yeah, something like that. It's like, don't try to make it better for the yeah, person exactly. because you actually can't. They have to go through the seven stages. And so we're just finishing with the seven stages now and reminding yourself allow yourself the big word with the seven stages is allowing and trying to see if you can find people who will allow you to go through what you need to go through because it's not just an imagination Kubler-Ross you know observed hundreds of people and she saw that this was pretty consistent with the people that she observed having gone through grief so allow yourself to grieve and allow yourself to realize that there are these stages and get loving people and supportive people there who, who will allow you to do that. <laughs> Fiona's got the most beautiful smile on her face and I've got all these oh, no. tears in my eyes. But this is the this is how this is where this is how we work with people. Yes. And I just um two days ago lost uh, somebody who's so instrumental in my life, mm. and so I can sit here and and she passed uh, two days ago the other side of the country. But before she passed, I could. She was coming into my. I didn't even know she was sick, and I, she was coming into my awareness. Oh, I've got to get hold of her. I've got to get hold of her. Uh, and then I I heard from my youngest brother that. Did I know that she had passed two hours ago? Mm. So then I tracked down her daughters, and I have promised to to write to them because I can't get to the funeral uh, in physical form anyway. <laughs> uh, but I feel, I feel as we're going through the seven stages of grief, I feel, I feel for the family. Yes, of course. Well, these are the seven stages of grief given to us by Kubler-Ross, and it is such an incredible gift. It is, and for anybody who's doing this and helping somebody, just be such a good listener. Absolutely. Thank you, Fiona. Thanks, Joe. Earthside Radio.